a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Right now on KSL Plus. Our entire lives have shifted. It's been nearly a year. Just the guilt that you feel. But not a day goes by free from the impact of this horrific crash in Ogden. It's really hard to put into words. For Lindsay Favero and her family. But it just, it's life-altering in every way. I'm Matt Rascone, and this week we explore crashes involving teenage drivers, their impact, and the lessons for parents and their teenagers. I talked to the Zero Fatalities program manager about it. But first, Lindsay Favero. My conversation with one mother. F is in Frank, A V is in Victor, E R O. Living with the tragic impact okay, you're me this, of her this son's is important. crash. This is worth coming down yes. to Salt Lake for. Why? Why was it important for us to be able to talk to you today? Um, several different reasons. I feel like it's important uh, to our family in particular to give the loss and the impact that we've had purpose, but. I also feel like our mission now is to educate parents and teen drivers about the responsibility that they carry when they have a driver's license. Um, But more importantly, us as parents, the role that we continue to play even after our kids are licensed, that our job's not done once they stamp that little card um, and we go through the tests and the process of teaching them how to drive, that we have a, a much heavier responsibility to not only our own children but other people out on the road too. Lindsay, can you take us back to the moment and the time that sort of led you to this? Absolutely. Um, On August 6th, 6th, 2021, um, my son Parker had just, we had just uh, taken a trip to California and come home, and he was really excited to go out with his best friend, Rylan. That's what they did, is they would get in the car together and drive around and listen to sad music. Um, But that was like their way of coping and bonding with each other. And we had been gone for a week, and so they were really excited to do that. Um, about 30 minutes after they had left, we got a phone call from a stranger uh, letting us know that he had been in a car accident. And we had no idea at that point the severity of the situation. Um, when we pulled up, Ryland had already been taken away in the ambulance. Um, and the, the look on my son's face when I approached is something I wish I could portray that, um, the level of impact that that's had on my life, because I feel like that would ultimately make a difference for parents too. Um, just to see your kid, I mean, you, you memorize their face uh, and every body language, every action that they take, but that was something I'd never seen in his face before, just the fear um, of not knowing really what had happened. Um, 
but also not knowing if his friend was okay. Uh, from there, it was, it's kind of a blur. Um, but we spent some time in the hospital, and then the next day we learned that Ryland had passed. Um, that's also another moment, too, that I, I wish so badly I could find the right words um, to have the most impact. But uh, having to, after experiencing that trauma, having to have that conversation with your child that they took a life because of their actions um, is really traumatic. Um, but then also trying to live with the impact that that's had on a whole other family, on a whole other unit of people, too, that we loved. Uh, Rylan was like our family member. We spent a lot of time with him. Uh, so that loss hit really heavy. Um, and knowing that there was a whole other just family and, and community of people that this was going to impact so deeply, um, it just, and it feel like it's really important that we, I mean, from that moment on, I felt like we had a choice as a, as a unit and my son felt the same way that like we can either let this bury us right and just never emerge again and be really weighed down by this or we can make it our mission to help educate other people and have not only our lives but Ryland's life have a different purpose um, just to make sure that people understand the seriousness of, of driving and parents too that we understand the importance of our role in that. Do, do we know the specific circumstances that led to the crash? Yes. Um, he had been speeding, uh, aggressively speeding. Um, the sign in that area is posted at 35, and it's a very abrupt turn. Um, in the dark, it's not lit very well. Um, but he was going, they estimated, 80 to 85 miles an hour. Couldn't navigate that turn. Uh, he has very little memory, so it's uh, based off of police reports and bystanders, um, but he, it sent him into the wrong lane of traffic. He was clipped by another car, and it sent them directly into a brick wall um, at 85 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah. It's less than a year. Yeah. Still. A little over 10 months. Yeah. Yep. What, uh, what have the last 10 months been like for you and your family? <laughs> um... You know, you hear people go through situations like this and they dictate it like a before and an after and that could not be more accurate. Like, our entire, entire lives have shifted. Um, like, even looking at photos of my son or our family before, it's hard to recognize the people that we were before this and the people after. Um, you just, as a mom too, recognizing the impact that this decision had on another mother is horrific. Um, but then watching your child, like you, like he's, he'll turn 18 next month, um, and watching them grow, and you have all of these ideas and dreams and hopes for your child, and then watching that so just violently shift into a completely different arena that you weren't prepared for, and then trying to help them dictate their own loss, um, while also like having to help them cope with the responsibility of, of taking a life, is that it's really hard to put into words. Um, but it just, it's life-altering in every way. You mentioned, it sounded like there was sort of a, a conversation, I guess, with you and Parker on let's, let's make this our mission. What, what does that part actually look like? Um, we are, I feel like, in, in order for us to carry on to, um, and to feel like we're doing justice, ultimately, we have to take responsibility for that life, right? Like, it rests on our shoulders, and, and him being... My, my son, um, 
and us taking on this responsibility when, when we signed those documents too, saying that he could drive. Um, it, it does, it rests on our shoulders just as much as it does on his. Um, and I feel like that's a, the healing, it's a healing process for us, but it's also, um, you have to. You have to give it purpose and meaning by trying to just hope that if you can influence just one life, just one person to take this in a different direction or to think through their decisions, then it, it ultimately makes it easier for you to live with. Um, and I think that's the goal right now is just trying to live with uh, the ramifications of, and consequences of our actions. Um, but also, this is, we're so fortunate that we have the opportunity to speak about it, um, and I feel like we owe that to his family too, um, to, to give purpose to, to their loss in any way, shape, or form that we can. And if this is how we do that, then, I mean, we're, we're so open to, to educating or teaching people in any way, shape, or form that, that we're allowed. Yeah. I was in the car driving with my best friend in my passenger seat. Uh, we were going too fast and couldn't negotiate a turn, got in an accident, and he lost his life. Me and my stepdad, we used to race uh, autocross in Farmington. She used to race around a track and compete for times and stuff, and I was, I've, I've driven since I was really young, so I have a lot of experience. Driving's always been a, a big part of my life. You've touched on this throughout, but is there any, any one thing that, uh, or just your main message, I guess, to other parents um, that you hope they would Absolutely. take away from this? Um, I think we don't find ourselves in a unique situation uh, with this, especially living where we live, but um, we spent so much time driving with him. Um, he was very experienced. We felt comfortable behind the wheel. Um, I didn't fear that anything like this would ever take place. Um, I mean, that's what you tell yourself, right? Like, it'll never happen to us, which is a really dangerous mindset. But you do, you, you kind of get lax, especially because he had been licensed for over a year. Um, his birthday had just, was a month before the accident. And so I thought, we're out of the woods, right? I mean, and we've driven with him. He had been an experienced driver, too, on, a, on an enclosed race course. Um, he just, he had such a, deep skill and knowledge level we felt um, that you stop asking questions about safety levels um, and you stop engaging in, in that really important dialogue with your child and I feel like that's the thing I really hope to push forward is that we continue to have those conversations and I we I did know that he was that he was speeding um, the car that we allowed him to drive in kind of um, was a perfect vessel for that unfortunately um, I feel like had we maybe checked in or been stricter about the speeding aspect of things, of course, I don't know that it would have changed anything, but it may have. Um, if I would have been okay upsetting him or putting, we have sensors in each one of our other vehicles, and we didn't put it in his because we felt like it was an invasion of his privacy, which now looking back just feels like a silly mind could have protected him ultimately from the situation, right, and, and the loss of another life. Um, but I feel like talking to your kids and making sure that you're aware of their driving habits, even after that year lapses or you think my, my kid's an experienced driver, I've been driving with them for, forever, right? You think you do your due diligence in that, but uh, we should still be continuing to have those conversations with our kids and making sure that they're not endangering other lives because we stopped having those conversations. Ah. 
you know, the, the culture is to go street race on the boulevard and go fast and it's fun, but it, it's not worth it. And the consequences from that are, they're impossible to understand. Since this happened, have you, have you learned uh, any more just about, I guess, the, how common something like this yes. is? And just, I mean, was that surprising? What was that like? Um, no, because I was a teenage driver at one point, too. Um, and that seems to be the very common thread every time I share my story, um, is that reflection that takes place in the person that I'm sharing it with. Like, oh, I remember what I was doing at 16 and 17 years old, right? I remember how many probably very dangerous predicaments and situations I put myself in because I thought I was experienced, but also because there's that, um, there's just that lack of knowledge when, when you're that age too, um, and the misconception that you're untouchable or that it will never happen to me. Um, so I feel like that part hasn't shocked me because I feel like we all uniquely share a piece in this, right? Like I feel like if you really reflect on what your driving was like at that age, it's really easy to put yourself in that situation. Um, also, I think that we, we stop, a lot of parents do that, um, which, and I've had a lot of other parents come to me and say, call. I did stop talking to my kids about that, right? Like, I assumed I'd done my job and that they haven't, you know, if they haven't gotten a speeding ticket or they haven't, I haven't gotten a report from a neighbor or somebody saying they're driving erratically, then I'm good. Um, and you stop asking who's in the car and you stop having those really important conversations because you think that time's gone by enough that, that they can be trusted, right? And it's not, it's not about trust. Um, it's about sometimes we become desensitized to this thing that we do every day and it's like autopilot and you just continue to do it and don't think about the risk that you're taking or the risk that you're putting other people in every day by doing that and I think it's really important especially with our kids just how much their their pressure and the expectations that they have on them that we continue to express the importance of that obligation that they've taken on to right and that's our job as their parents to make sure that we're not only I mean ultimately protecting them too from something like this happening anything else that you would hope people would take from your story I mean um or anything I didn't ask you just that it can't it can happen to you uh, the only difference between me and, an, and another mother might have a son in a similar situation is just like a fraction of a second right that's all it took um just one bad choice and we ultimately lost someone that we really loved and we took that person away from lots of other people that loved him too and the ramifications and consequences of that on a daily basis are something I can't really put into words. Uh, just the guilt that you feel, um, and then watching your child suffer too. I just I hope that that's something that people can take away from this message: is that you just coming up onto a scene like that with your own child is horrific, but also t- taking the life of another. It's just not not worth it. It's not worth speeding, and it's it's. It's so important to have those conversations with your kids. You know, I I lost my best friend because I chose to speed, and I have to live with that every day. Speeding's just not worth it. within the Traffic and Safety Division of UDOT. 
and it's really it's something kind of different than what we've done with other parts of of Utah. Is you know mostly infrastructure. Kristen Hoshauer is the program manager for zero fatalities at the Utah Department of Transportation. So zero fatalities is more related to education and behavior change, and so it's kind of within the traffic and safety. But we do a lot of communications and education within that, and it's kind of a, a kind of integrated into that traffic and safety part of zero fatalities because we know that you know 90 almost 94 percent of crashes and fatalities are caused by human behavior not by you know weather conditions or the, the state of the road wow yeah that's a pretty big percentage so it's important to us that we address that here's her message to parents and teen drivers about how to stay safe on the road So teens are uh, three times more likely to be involved in crashes when they first get their license. So, you know, it's really important that we actually talk to them about these different behaviors, you know, making sure that they're they're alert when they're behind the wheel, that they're buckled, that they're sober, that they're um, focused when they're behind the wheel. Those are all really important parts of driving and that, you know, they're not calm, that they're calm, that they're not speeding. And we teach that to them, and we encourage parents to really get involved with their teens driving, that they um, talk to them. And a lot of times we ask them to just put together like an agreement, that's something that they can um, that they can sign, sometimes even too, like just have a discussion with their teens that, you know, this is what I'll be doing, I'll make sure that, you know, that you are safe behind the wheel and this is what you should be doing to make sure that you're safe behind the wheel and these are kind of you know we sign these things and this is what we're going to do just to make sure that they understand that this is a kind of a big deal that this is you know you're behind the wheel of a large vehicle sometimes and you want you want to take it seriously still have to pay attention to your speed if you weren't watching your speed before they don't have a valid reason they're just like oh i just didn't even notice i was going that fast Troopers hope you will now. 328 people died on Utah roads last year. Colonel Michael Rapich says speed caused more of those crashes than DUI. These are horrible incidents. They're violent and they're deadly. And our troopers see that. Well, can you talk about what we know about what is causing these crashes with teens? Yeah, so 90% of crashes that teens get into are within the first few months of getting their license. So, you know, it's so important that they learn everything they can. And it's just because they're not as experienced. You know, they may not be able to perceive danger. They may not be able to see what's coming around or what's what's around that bend or, you know, anticipate something that might be happening. So um, it's really important that they learn this. And also the GDL laws have really helped. Graduated driver's license laws have really helped in making it safer for, for teens. You know, they can't drive with other teenagers in the car for the first six months. Uh, they can't drive with other people outside their family for the first six months after they get their license because, you know, it's, you know, 45% more dangerous, like they more likely to get in a crash when they have a teen next to them. It's twice as, twice as more likely they'll get in a crash if they have two kids in the car. And, you know, it's like even, like, what is it, five times more, da- more likely they'll get in a crash if they have three or more kids, teens in the car with them. So, you know, the GDL laws say that you can have your family in the car but not other teens in the car. It sets times when they can, they can drive during the day but not at night because we see a lot more teen fatalities and crashes that happen at night. 52, 51, 
still 50. 52 miles an hour is fast. And on this stretch of Washington Boulevard in Ogden, it's 17 miles over the speed limit. While it's not the worst Lieutenant Cameron Stiver has seen. Me personally, I've seen 80. It's dangerous. He was 51 after he slowed down. Right now, Ogden has a problem. Deadly crashes. You know, when they learn about what they should be doing behind the wheel, and when parents are really involved um, with their driving and they understand what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing, they're half as likely to speed. They're more likely to go the speed limit and to stay within those parameters. They're far more likely to drive sober and to not, you know, do those dangerous behaviors. Um, and they're, you know, they're twice as likely to wear their seatbelt when parents are constantly telling them, you know, wear your seatbelts. You know, make sure everyone in your car, when you get in the car, is wearing their seatbelt. They're more likely to tell the other passengers in their car to wear them, so they're twice as likely to wear their seatbelts. And, you know, they're 30% less likely to get on their phones. So, um, in, especially when they see that their parents aren't doing it, that they're actually watching what their parents are doing, and they're setting a good example, they're less likely to do those things that they shouldn't be doing. There's reasons why your parents worry and why parents teach you certain things. And how do age or gender factor in? Well, teen driver fatalities have risen 48% in two years. And men account for two-thirds of drivers in all fatal crashes. We're moving in the wrong direction and we need to make a change. When we track these numbers, uh, fatalities on the road, uh, are teenagers, I mean, how much are they contributing to those terrible numbers? So um, teens only make up about 9% of drivers on the road, but they make up about 21% of, of crashes. So it's a disproportionate number of crashes that they're causing. And so, you know, once again, it's the inexperience, it's... Um, it's their perception, they may not understand danger, and so it's really just so important that we help them out, drive with them, teach them, be examples. Just start practicing. Once you get that learner permit, go out with your team, get those 40 hours in with your team before they get their license, make sure they get you know, the 10 hours in for nighttime driving, make sure you're with them, helping them, learning. On zerofatalities.com you can go and watch videos too about you know, maybe if a parent doesn't know exactly what things they should be helping them with, there are so many videos and resources on the Zero Fatalities website where they can go and watch these videos about you know, how do I teach my kid how to parallel park? if they want to teach them that before they get into the driver ed car. They can do that. And, um, and just, you know, help them get where they need to go. And then when they get their driver license, make sure that they follow the GDL laws. It's so important that parents enforce that, that they are the ones who are enforcing the, GD, the graduated driver license laws. They're the ones who are supposed to be telling them, you know, no friends in your car for the first six months. Because that's, you know, they are so much more likely to get in a crash when they have other teenagers in the car. And just make sure they get the practice that they need. Because when you're there with them, those that first year, those first, when they're getting, their, when they have their li driver license permit, you know, it's, it's really helpful to get that help that they need um, those first, that first year or more and get the experience they need so that they can be more confident behind the wheel. But let's hit the brakes and break down the numbers. Statewide, since January 2018, there have been 1,250 fatalities. Salt Lake County has seen the most, with 329, followed by Utah and Weber counties. But if you look even closer, Ogden has had more people killed than any other city in the Beehive State, with 44. I'm blown away about the 
disregard for public safety in regards to just our traffic laws. There's a nice balance that teens need to remember that, yes, you need to take this seriously. That the most dangerous thing that most teens do in the day is get behind the wheel and adults. They need to know the seriousness of driving. They also need to know that it's good to learn and to practice and to get all that they can because the more that they learn now, the better they'll get. And by, you know, and by the time they're in college, they will have all that experience that they need from, with all the practice they've had is when they're, when they're 15 and 16 and 17. So get out there with your kids, um, get involved as parents, make sure they have the experience and teens and parents take it seriously. I imagine, and, and maybe this is not the case, but I, I imagine that uh, you know, kids growing up with cell phones also just plays a part in, in just being more distracted on the road. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, so you know, there are so many distractions that teens can have, and nowadays we have phones. And you know, it's just one thing we like to teach the, teach the teens is you know, put it somewhere where they can't reach it. Maybe put it in their glove box or in their trunk. Or tell a friend to be the one to respond back to text messages. Say, hey, you're my co-pilot. You respond back to my friend who really needs me to urgently respond back. Make sure someone else maybe is doing that. Or just, you know, have a, have a response back on automatically for when you're in the car so that they can respond back so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. And, you know, as parents, it's important to, to be a good example of, of what we should be doing behind the wheel. Um, by not using your phone when you're driving. It's time to put the full focus of our messaging, our education, and enforcement on speeding. So as of today, there are 141 fatalities on Utah roads, which is just unacceptable. And there are 13 teen fatalities on Utah roads. And there are 20 uh, fatalities on Utah roads with teens as the driver of a vehicle in that crash. Um, Because of their inexperience, it is so important that parents are really involved in when they're when they before they get in driver ed when they have their learner permit when they get their driver license when they're under the graduated driver's license laws just because they are so inexperienced and they need parent involvement really during those times so that they can they can learn how to avoid a crash what to do in certain situations um, to you know remember to buckle up those are all really important things that parents can help with Yeah, and we've met with a lot of the families of um, families with teens that have died in Utah crashes, and it is just it is heartbreaking because the expectations that these parents have for their kids, and you know, it's just heartbreaking to see that that won't happen, and it, this all could have been prevented. That does it for us this week on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone. We'll see you again next week. 